بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد الحمد لله we continue today with uh, touching on many of the points in the text of the book of Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda which is titled من أدب الإسلام from amongst the etiquettes and good mannerisms of Islam we also touched on last week the importance of etiquette and adab in the life of a Muslim, whether it be male or female. And this is something which is essential in our deen. It is not something which is nafal or optional for a person to be refined and for a person to improve their life to such an extent that it is exemplary. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in a hadith, Addabani rabbi fa'ahsana ta'adibi. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has perfected my etiquette and my mannerisms. And this is the example for us. If Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the uswa and the sample which is to be followed for salvation in this world, it would be necessary for us to ensure that we make an effort, that we try to define our personalities. And we would find, um, like I mentioned, in other cultures, they have what they call finishing schools, where people need to go to learn the finishing touches of how to conduct themselves at a the table, how to uh, greet senior people, how to enter uh, a gathering. And this has been taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There's no need for us to have a finishing school because the deen of Allah subhanahu wa taala is perfect. So we will continue uh, reading from the book on page 14 in the translation which uh, the sisters do have in front of them. We have uh, the statement of Imam Al-Qarafi. He says in his book, Al-Furuq, while discussing the point that manners rank higher than deeds. In other words, good mannerisms is weightier than many a'mal. Like the ulama say, that good akhlaq and good character is a quality which very few sins can dominate and overpower. But bad character is a trait and an evil which many good deeds cannot wipe out. So a person can have lots of good deeds, but if the character is defective and the character is bad, the way one interacts with other people, then even lots of nafil salah and nafil tilawa and abundance of these a'mal will not be of benefit as Rasulullah sallallahu states in the hadith. So Imam al-Qarafi, he mentions in this, uh, in this book, Know well that a small amount of etiquette is better than a whole lot of good actions. That to have a little bit of adab and etiquette and good manners is better than having a lot of good deeds. And Imam al-Ruwaym, rahimahullah, a righteous scholar, told his son, Ya Bunay, ij'al amalaka milhan wa adabaka daqiqan. The meaning is, in front of you, oh my son, make your deeds like salt, and your manners like flour, referring to the fact that dough consists of more flour than salt. So the good akhlaq, make your deeds like salt. So a little of a'mal and actions, but there should be more, there should be more flour and more good character which is found in the life of a person. One should have more manners than deeds. And this is where Rasulullah sallallahu stated in the hadith, the weightiest thing in the scale of a believer on the day of Qiyamah is good character. 
And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that the person with their good character will be able to attain the lofty rank even higher than that of a person who stands in qiyam the entire night and tahajjud before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fast throughout the day. The rank of that person is lower than the person who has perfected his or her character. May Allah give us the ability to improve and work on our character. Continuing on page 15, the bold letters, even though some of these rules appear to be simple or common sense, it is still important to highlight their significance. So a Muslim doesn't overlook anything which has been given to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nothing is insignificant. We do not know which action which we might deem to be trivial or small or mundane is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Removing something harmful, smiling with somebody, supporting somebody at the time of need, that might be the thing we require uh, for our success on the day of Qiyamah. So nothing should be overlooked. Many of us err in these simple deeds which then blemish our Islamic personality, whereas Islam ought to be unique in its beauty, perfection, and traits. On one occasion, our master, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he advised the Sahaba, and we will read the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You've got the translation in front of you. We read it so that the barakah of the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is also part of this gathering, and the blessings will be part of the of the dars, insha'Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam addressed the Sahaba and he advised them. He said, إِنَّكُمْ قَادِمُونَ عَلَىٰ إِخْوَانِكُمْ فَأَحْسِنُوا لِبَاسَكُمْ وَأَصْلِحُوا رِحَالَكُمْ حَتَّى تَكُونُوا كَأَنَّكُمْ شَامَةٌ فِي النَّاسِ You are on your way to meet your brothers. So the Sahaba were about to meet some other companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he instructed them, don a good dress and mend your conveyance. In other words, dress yourself appropriately and neatly. And ensure that the conveyance you are using is also suitable to the status that you hold. So that you appear distinct amongst people of beauty as, as a beauty spot on the body. In other words, the way a, person, a person's features would be enhanced with a, a beauty spot. And nowadays people put a fake spot just for them to seem to be beautiful. But if there is a real beauty spot, the way it is noticeable and it enhances the beauty of the individual, similarly, if a person dresses appropriately. And when I need to highlight the fact that obviously within the limits of Sharia, so in the case of our mothers and sisters, whatever Sharia has termed as permissible, that needs to be adopted, and what is impermissible needs to be uh, abstained from. So uh, the common acknowledgement of people and what is in vogue in our, uh, our time and our fashion doesn't mean that okay, because it is regarded to be beautiful and we are told in hadith to adorn ourselves so our dress beautiful as it is understood by common acknowledgement in my community uh, which is called urf that is not valid in sharia the beauty which is referred to is the beauty which is within the limits of, of sharia Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like, indec uh, like indecency in manner and conduct this hadith has been narrated in Abu Dawood and the musnad of Imam Ahmad Therefore, it is important that a Muslim be recognized by his excellent attire, uh, his befitting manner, and an appearance that is appealing. So it's, this, again, should be uh, within uh, the limits of Sharia. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu anhu, a very famous companion of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In fact, he was the one who carried the shoes of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was so frequently in and out of the house of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that many of the sahaba thought he was related to rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, 
And he, obviously, being so close, he learned the mannerisms and the etiquettes from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He narrated the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he said, لَا يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ مَنْ كَانَ فِي قَلْبِهِ مِثْقَالُ ذَرَّةٍ مِنْ كِبْرِ That person who has an iota of kibr and pride in his heart would not enter into Jannah. So may Allah reward the companions when they heard anything from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If they were not clear, if they didn't understand it, they would immediately ask. And if they didn't ask, we wouldn't know. And this is why it's important also in our life, when there is something of deen which we not, do not understand, we need to ask the question. We shouldn't feel that, you know, I can't ask, the, I'll be embarrassed and people will see how, uh, how ignorant I am of aspects of deen. Uh, the ulama say, man that person as a student if they feel it below their dignity to ask a question then they will remain ignorant up to a point that they will be embarrassed in the gatherings of, of scholars they'll come into a gathering and think that they know something and not asking the question in their student days would result in embarrassment in their later years so the sahaba would ask the sahabi asked qala rajulun inna rajul yuhibbu an yakuna that sometimes a person likes his clothing to look nice. He likes to wear good clothing. And he would like to wear good shoes. Thinking that perhaps this is what is Rasulullah referring to, that this is the type of pride. If a person wears good clothing, he's got a good conveyance, or he's got good shoes, or a lady is doing similarly within the limits of Sharia, then that means pride. No. So Rasulullah said, no, no, this is not, this is not pride to wear good clothing, to use the bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given without ostentation and being uh, show, showing off or displaying it to make other people feel inferior. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, no, inna Allah jameelun yuhibbul jamal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is jameel. In other words, Allah is the bearer of all beautiful qualities and Allah loves those things which are beautiful. So, and in another hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves to see the manifestation of his ni'mah and his bounties on his servants. And then he defined what is kibr, what is pride and arrogance, which is disliked in Sharia. Batarul haq wa ghamtun nas. Batarul haq means when the, the haq and the truth has been presented to a person, that this is correct and this is incorrect. And we acknowledge and we say, okay, I understand. This is correct, this is incorrect. Perhaps I am a bit weak to do that which is correct, but I acknowledge and I know what is haq. And pride means that the person tells, this is, tells you that this is haq, you know it is the correct thing, but you reject it. This is arrogance. To look down upon other people. To regard oneself to be superior to other people. And this is a very, very serious thing. This is what made shaitan shaitan. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed him to prostrate and make sujood to Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam, he regarded himself through his arrogance and pride to be better than Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from arrogance and pride. Continuing on to the next page, entering or leaving a house. So it might seem very mundane and simple that we're discussing these things, but it's linked to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And anything linked to him, as you will see, entering into the house and, and saying assalamu alaikum, greeting, which will be discussed, it brings barakah in a person's house. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said it brings barakah in your house. And what does barakah mean? Barakah means that with a little that Allah has given you, all your needs will be fulfilled. Barakah is something which maybe old people would have seen, that there's a family of uh, a husband and wife and ten children, 
But all the children eat nicely, they go to school, and they become professors and doctors and lawyers. And the parents might have had a small shop or they had a small business, but everybody was taken care of. That is barakah. And the opposite of that is 10 qualified children can't look after two parents. And barakah starts from these a'mal which are linked to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Anything linked to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa brings blessings in our life because he was sent with nur from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how to enter our house? We need to learn how to do these things also. So this is our finishing school of learning how to refine our, our methods and our ways and our mannerisms. When entering or leaving a house, do not push the door violently or leave it to close by itself wildly. Such action stands in contrast with the politeness of Islam, which you are honored to belong to. We are all honored. We are all honored that Allah has made us Muslimin. Alhamdulillah, ala ni'matil Islam. So close the door gently with your hand. You may have heard the hadith reported by Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, whereby Sayyidah Aisha, radiallahu anha, our mother, quotes Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as saying, إِنَّ الرِّفْقَ لَا يَكُونُ فِي شَيْءٍ إِلَّا زَانَهُ وَلَا يُنزَعُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا شَانَهُ Gentleness adorns every act, and its absence tarnishes it. So, this is a rough translation in front of you, but the actual translation is, إِنَّ الرِّفْقَ لَا يَكُونُ فِي شَيْءٍ إِلَّا زَانَهُ that gentleness is not found in anything except that it beautifies that thing. And this is what happens nowadays. The gentleness which is supposed to be in a Muslim is not found in a Muslim, it's found in other than Muslims. So people are inclined to that. That looks beautiful. And people are attracted to that because there's softness, there's gentleness, there's politeness, there's etiquette which we were supposed to be implementing in our lives. And it is, وَلَا يُنزَعُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا شَانَهُ and this gentleness is not snatched away and taken away from anything except that it spoils and corrupts and tarnishes that thing. So a person can be a Muslim, but if there's no gentleness and politeness in their, in their mannerism and the way they interact with other people, then in reality they have not beautified their inner selves. Continuing, Imam Al-Fatah says, with regards to greeting, when entering or leaving your house, acknowledge those inside. To say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. So use the greeting that is unique to Muslims and which is the label of Islam, which is Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And he further says, Do not forego this Islamic greeting by replacing it with something else such as good morning or hello or hi. Or sometimes we just start talking. Because this will lead to the salam eventually being totally abandoned. And by saying salam, this is one of the great uh, gifts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us by saying, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. For every word there, there's ten rewards. Besides the fact that Assalam is one of the Asma'ul Husna, one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is a dua of peace and protection for the person that you are greeting. And it is also uh, an indication to the person that I mean no harm to you. This is why it's not possible that a Muslim can go into a public place and blow himself up and kill innocent people. Because the basis of our deen is assalamu alaikum. That we tell every person that from my side there will be no harm which will reach you. And especially the people that we interact with. So when entering our homes, we should uh, say the words assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and teach our children the same. Uh, not just um, hello and hi and all the things which are becoming common nowadays. 
It is the label of the Muslims which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam prescribed by his actions and statement and it is that which he taught to his attendant Sayyidina Anas bin Malik radiallahu an when he said to him so I will say the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam Ya Bunay he said Oh my son إِذَا دَخَلْتَ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِكَ فَسَلِّمْ Greet your family when you enter your home يَكُونُ بَرَكَةً عَلَيْكَ وَعَلَىٰ أَهْلِكَ This will be a means of barakah for you and your family. Nowadays, one of the, the problems we do have, and uh, it's, it's uh, misunderstandings, argumentation, quarreling, and fighting with one another. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he addressed the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and he said, that shall I not show you something which if you practice upon it, it will increase love amongst you. And he said, Afshu salama baynakum. Make salam something common amongst you, the practice of salam, to say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. In fact, we are taught by the jurists that if two people are passing at a distance, they shouldn't just raise their finger and point towards one another like uh, sometimes we do see like uh, a nod or just the moving of the finger. But the raising of the hand should be accompanied with the utterance of the word assalamu alaikum. So we should say the word assalamu alaikum even if the person cannot hear. And when somebody greets us, we should reply, Wa alaykum salam It is an obligation as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instructed in the Qur'an. Further on, Imam Qatada rahimahullah, a prominent tabi'i. A tabi'i is a person who spent time in the company and followed the way of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Sahaba, the word Sahabi refers to those people who in the state of Iman stayed in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they died in the condition of being Muslims. Uh, and a tabi'i, tabi'a yatba'u means to follow. Those who followed in the footsteps of the Sahaba are known as tabi'in. So Imam Qatada, a prominent tabi'i said, say salam to your family when you enter your house, for they are the most worthy of your salam. If you're not going to give dua and not wish for barakah in that house in which your wife is living, your mother and your father and your children are living, then who will you wish good for? If a person doesn't want good for the people that he's the closest to, then is there anyone that he would perhaps want good for? Very unlikely. Imam At-Tirmidhi rahimahullah recorded from Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu that Rasulullah said, when any of you joins a gathering, you should say salam. And when he intends to leave, then too, you should say salam. So we come into a gathering, uh, say a, if, if there's a talk carrying on, you can make the salam uh, in, in a tone that some people can hear that you are greeting. And if you are leaving a gathering, so if you are visiting people, when we come, we say assalamu alaikum. And when we leave the gathering also and we are returning home, then we also re- repeat the words of salam. And he says, the first, in other words, the greeting of arrival is no less important than the second greeting when, when departing. So like it is important to greet when you come, assalamu alaikum, we normally emphasize that. But it is just as important to greet when a person departs. So this is something we should also try to practice on, inshallah. Continuing on page 18, Imam Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda continues amongst the etiquettes and the sunan of what we should be doing when we enter our homes. When entering your house, make your presence known to those inside before approaching them so that they may not be startled by your sudden appearance. So this business of giving a shock and giving a surprise is not, is not something common in our sharia. It's actually foreign. Rasulullah sallallahu instructed the sahaba radiallahu anhum that if you're returning from a journey, and then inform your family members, and especially your spouse, that you are returning. It shouldn't be that you, you return and try to give them a surprise, 
and then they were not prepared adequately and you expected to see them in a particular state and it results in unnecessarily um, friction which could develop between the family members. So, do not appear like one who is searching for a fault in them. Because if a person suddenly just opens the door and just comes into the house, it's as if, and this is what Rasulullah has indicated, it's as if the person is intentionally looking for a chance to come in and see, are you doing something wrong or not? Whereas the conduct and the behavior of a Muslim towards another Muslim is what we call husnuddhan. Husnuddhan. And this, may Allah give us tawfiq, this is something which is lacking. So in all of us, when we see another Muslim for the first time, then we say, hey, that person looks like a bit serious. No, he's like that. So we wouldn't think, oh no, he's a good Muslim. We first think negative and make a judgment about them. Then when we get to know the person, we say, oh no, she's not too bad. Alhamdulillah, she's a nice person. Oh, he is a nice person. He's okay. Whereas a Muslim is one that when you see that this is a Muslim, oh, mashallah, where are you from? You try to interact with the person as if you're acknowledging and you love them on the basis of their iman. But we, we do it the opposite way around. We start with su'udhan, and we start with, with having a negative thought of the person and then uh, wanting the person to prove him or herself to, uh, to us. Whereas in Sharia we are taught, think good of the person. And if they do something wrong and you notice, okay, they are doing something wrong, then you dislike the wrong and you still like the person. In Sharia we are taught to dislike the wrong because it doesn't matter how... Um, limited the good deeds of a person might be. If they have iman, then they are worthy of entrance into Jannah. And we do not know which, which good deed of theirs will be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu says in a hadith that there was a, a lady who was unchaste and she had bad habits of indulging in haram activities. She was passing by a well and she was thirsty one day and there was no bucket available. She removed her boot and lowered it into the well to remove water for herself. And when she did that, she noticed that there was a thirsty dog walking around the well and trying to lick the moisture on the mud which was outside, on the outside of the well. So she felt some pity for this, for this dog. We're not talking of a human being. We're talking of a dog which is najis, impure. We, we don't keep it in our homes as well. And she gave water to this dog. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, because of this act, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave her. So obviously she had iman, because the, the condition for acceptance of any amal is iman. So she, was, she had iman, but she had a weakness. She uh, didn't, uh, she was engaged in, in, in haram activities. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who judges on the day of qiyamah. So sometimes something which seems small to us, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has weight. And something by us which sometimes we think is very big, it might not be valuable by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Abu Ubaidah, Amir bin Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the son of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, his name was Amir, and his kunniya was Abu Ubaidah. He said, when my father Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, who was the same servant of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that I referred to previously, when he would enter the home, he would make his presence known by speaking or raising his voice so that everybody became aware of his presence. So you would perhaps recite something. In some narrations it comes, he would tap his shoes, he would clear his throat, so that everybody in the house knows that he's about to enter, and, and they would adopt that attire or that um, appearance which would be pleasing to him without having any 
surprised by him. Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal said, when a person enters his house, it is recommended that he coughs or taps his shoes. His son Abdullah, the son of Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, one of the four imams of fiqh, when returning home from the masjid, my father used to announce his arrival before entering by tapping his shoes. So obviously, it, uh, tapping the shoes won't always work. It depends what type of shoes you're wearing. You're wearing chumples or something and you tap it, nobody will hear. So the meaning is that something should be done uh, which would give uh, some information or some indication to, to the family members that you have arrived. And generally this is for uh, the men, but it could be for women as well. At times, he would do so by coughing. Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, have recorded from Sayyidina Jabir. Sayyidina Jabir is also one of the close sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prohibited a person from unexpectedly surprising his family at night, whether returning from travel or otherwise, as though he mistrusts them or he merely is searching for a fault in them. So this is the impression that he wants to um, uh, surprise them in such a way that they would think, hey, maybe he's thinking, he's suspecting me of doing something wrong. Then seeking permission when entering, if family members are resting in their rooms, so this applies now to male, female, across the board. And you intend to enter the room, seek permission to enter. So knock on the door, and we should teach our children this as well. Otherwise, you may see them in a condition that you or they, for that matter, may dislike. They would be uncomfortable seeing them in a particular state. Uh, maybe the parents are dressed inappropriately, they're dressed in their bedroom attire. Maybe the children are still busy changing, and the parent goes in, in both ways. This rule should be adhered to. This applies to your entire household, your immediate family, whether it be maharim, the mahrams, like your parents or children, or others, non-maharim as well. Imam Malik, rahimahullah, has recorded in his muwatta, which is the compilation of hadith by uh, Imam Malik ibn Anas, the Imam Udari al-Hijra, the Imam of Medina Munawwara, one of the four imams, from Sayyidina Atab bin, bin Yasar, rahimahullah, that a man asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the following, should I seek permission to enter my mother's room? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, yes. Then he said, but we live together in the same house, said the man. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, seek permission to enter into her room. But I am her servant, replied the man. I need to serve my mother. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, seek permission. Would you like to see her unclothed? Would you like to see your mother without clothing? No, replied the man. Then seek permission in entering, said Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So he was not understanding and getting the point, And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa eventually had to be explicit and clear to him and tell him that the reason we are telling you this is to ensure that you do not place yourself in a position of disrespect to your mother because she is perhaps changing and you're entering in that particular moment. A man came to Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and asked, should I seek permission to enter my mother's room? He said, there are certain conditions in which you would rather not see your mother. Sayyidatuna Zainab, the wife of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, said upon reaching the door, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud would cough. According to the narration of Ibn Majah, he used to make some noise. So he would make some sound that she knows he is there, fearing that he might surprise us and encounter an embarrassing situation. This also shows the high level of haya that the Sahaba had, modesty and bashfulness. This is something which is a trait uh, which men and women both have to have. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was known to be uh, somebody who is bashful. In fact, uh, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam praised Sayyidina Uthman for having this quality. And he said that this is a person, he has got so much haya in him that the malaika also are shy in front of him. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-haya'u shu'batun min al-iman. A person who is 
has got haya and modesty, this is a sign of his iman. And amongst the qualities of the mu'mineen, there are two main qualities in, a, in the life of a mu'min. One is zuhud and one is haya. Zuhud means abstention of uh, not indulging too much in the dunya and haya is modesty. And the main traits of kuffar is israf and bihayai. Israf means to be wasteful and wasting on things which are not necessary and to be void of any bashfulness and modesty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that. And we can see the situation in the world now. A man asked Sayyidina Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu anhu, should I ask permission to enter my mother's room? And he replied, yes. If you do not seek her permission, you might see her in a condition that you dislike. Sayyidina Musa, the son of Sayyidina Talha bin Ubaidillah. This is not Musa alayhi salam. This is the tabi'i, the son of a sahabi. His name was Musa as well. My father went to my mother's room. So the tabi'i says, I went with my father Talha bin Ubaidillah. I was walking behind my father towards the mother's room. I followed him as he entered. And he saw me right behind him. But now he's going into the room of his wife. And the son is walking behind so he turned towards me and pushed my chest, causing me to sit down on the ground. Although he pushed him so hard that he had to sit down. And he reprimanded me saying, how dare you enter without permission? This is the room of your mother. So this is also something which we need to keep in mind, inshallah. Uh, taking permission when entering one another's homes. There's one page left and is there time still? Uh, one minute, two minutes. Sayyidina Nafi', the freed slave of Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu said, when any of Ibn Umar's children came of age, Nafi' was a slave. I imagine he became an imam of the knowledge of Sharia and he was a slave. This is how Islam uh, gave honor to people, that they were slaves and the people they lived with made them scholars. They became the imams of their times. So Ibn Umar, uh, Nafi' says that Ibn Umar's children, when they would come of age, Ibn Umar would assign to him or her another room. And he would not allow them to enter his room without permission. Sayyidina Atta ibn Abi Rabah asked Sayyidina Ibn Abbas, Atta ibn Abi Rabah is a student of Ibn Abbas and he was also an imam of his time. He said, should I seek permission in entering the room of my two sisters? Yes, replied Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah. He said, but they are, my, they are in my foster care. I support and provide for them and I need to take care of them. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah asked, would you be pleased to see them unclothed? And then he recited the verse of the Quran, وَإِذَا بَلَغَ الْأَطْفَالُ مِنْكُمُ الْحُلُمَ فَلْيَسْتَأْذِنُوا كَمَا اسْتَأْذَنَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ The meaning is on the next page. And when the children among you come of age, let them seek permission as those senior to them in age seek permission. So as adults are required to seek permission before they enter a house or a room, similarly children are also required to do the same. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instill within us the beautiful adab, etiquette, and um, elegance of the character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and make it a means of us being a beautiful example of the deen of Islam. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين سبحان الله